What's up, everyone? We are back for Locked On Bucks as Milwaukee get ready to start the road to the postseason. They're going to do that with a game against the Brooklyn Nets. Frank's here. We're going to break down some lineup stuff, look ahead, ask some questions, and maybe just generally take a temperature check on where we think the Bucks are at as they do begin the road to the postseason. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on the show Monday to Friday. Also find some other stuff over at ESPN. Joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we always thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every weekday. Uh, we've had a few days off uh, from podcasting with each other, Frank. All-star break come and went. I did send a message out and said, have you got any takes about the all-star weekend? He said, eh, not really. I said, fair enough. I'm going to podcast anyway, but I don't blame you for that. But what does a distinguished Bucks podcaster like yourself do with the All-Star break? Are you feeling fresh? We both got haircuts, uh, so that's that's what we did with our break. Yeah, um, I think I've commented on this podcast multiple times over the past few weeks how <laughs> I needed a haircut, so yeah. I finally did something about it. Um, I did watch the All-Star game itself. Um okay. It's so funny how differently I'm sure most of us process the All-Star game and All-Star weekend now versus previously. Um, you know, like, I mean, just the idea of having an All-Star, right? When Giannis first broke through, you know, becoming an All-Star starter, it was like, oh, my God. And you wanted him to do so well. And, you know, him being thrust in the spotlight. And it was it was very new, right? I mean, literally, um, you know, what had it been? It had been like, was it, was it like Michael Red in 2005 or something crazy? Yeah. Like was the last time they had an all-star before that. Um, and so now it's just so different because it's like, you know, they're the NBA champs. Giannis is a multiple time MVP and, you know, all-star trips and he won MVP at the all-star game last year. right? So it's, it's just like the stakes are just feel so much lower. And, you know, the idea of them, you know, the, the Dede Kumbro is doing the, the skills challenge, you know, it's just like, ah, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, Chris, I don't even want Chris or when Bobby was talking about doing the three point shootout, I was just like, ah, don't even bother guys. Like we, Chris has done this twice and it's just like, you know, he sucked in both of them and you know, it's just a random thing. Like who cares? Right. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I skipped, uh, all-star Saturday night entirely. Normally I will watch the dunk contest. Sounds like I made a great decision not to watch the dunk contest. Um, but I, I did tune in for uh the the game and you know i i watched the the 75th anniversary stuff at halftime um which i i enjoyed um i thought you know my my first favorite player david robinson was standing i think like right in front of Giannis, obviously my current you know favorite player so that was pretty cool for me just as like a you know now 40 year old fan who's you know basically been following this game now for roughly 30 years just kind of cool to see kind of the, the 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 beginning and well I don't want to say the end but the beginning and the current um you know sides of of my fandom be represented on the stage and 
Um, you know, I think just from some of the shots, you could tell Giannis was not lost on Giannis, you know, how big of a deal this was. I thought back to, um, you know, our friend Eric name story, um, when he told, they told Giannis that he was, I think what, 24 mm -hmm. on the athletic top 75 and just, you know, how, how big that was for Giannis and how I think that realization, I think that was one of the first sort of, uh, you know, rankings that had been done, um, that probably he heard. And, and I think, you know, it's, it seemed like we were almost seeing in real time, like him sort of coming to grips with where he really is in the history of this game already at the age of 27. So, um, you know, again, the game itself, it was, you know, Giannis rolls out of bed and puts up 30, 12, six and four stocks, <laughs> right? Like that, he just pretty much had a regular Giannis game. Um, but it was fun. It was fun seeing the game get serious in the fourth quarter when they went to the Elam ending it was fun seeing Giannis. Uh, well, you know, probably my least favorite Giannis block of all time. Um, I, I've never seen him block Chris Middleton before. So unfortunate that Chris was, uh, you know, caught the friendly fire there, but uh, cool block. Um, you know, he had a couple other defensive plays that, you know, again, was kind of like, all right, Giannis, Giannis being Giannis and um, hit, hit one of those uh, glamour shots can hit one of those turnaround jumpers there the fourth quarter as well uh when they were kind of zoning in on the final so you know fun to watch and uh kind of reminds me um you know i i got a bit into the the winter olympic spirit here kane and i don't know i i think short track speed skating is bullshit probably isn't the right word for it but it's a little tacky to me um now i say this because and, and keep in mind if americans were winning gold medals left and right in short track speed skating i would probably think it's awesome but you know being just a um typical american front runner um i i kind of now view since americans aren't that good at short track speed skating anymore um and even when paulo antonono was winning a lot of medals like I, that's when i watch it and just like you'd have like people wiping out all the time and like people getting eliminated for illegal stuff and it's just like this is like demolition derby but have you ever seen the races where these races were like they go really slow if it's like a longer race and they go really slow for like multiple laps and like nobody wants to make a move kind of happens in like longer distance like 5,000 meter track events too where like you know nobody's wanting to really stretch it and then finally someone starts going fast and they all go like crazy and you know in the last couple laps they go nuts and chaos ensues that's kind of what the all-star game felt like to me it was kind of like you know the first quarter it's like okay guys like like all right like can, can we make it feel a little bit less like a layup line can you not just completely I mean literally guys like getting out of the way on defense to, to let guys go to the basket. It's like, I want to see a, like a, let's, let's like feign some, some degree of competition. But, um, but I thought as the game went on, obviously people started to take it a little more seriously. And I felt like at the end of the third quarter, when the, the bucks, when Giannis's team was trailing and they seemed to be very cognizant that they needed some stops in order to tie and tie the third quarter. And then obviously the fourth quarter, when it kind of, everything comes down to it. Um, I thought it was, it was more fun and obviously a pretty cool way to end it with, um, LeBron hitting that shot, um, in his return to Cleveland. So long story short, yeah, all-star weekend was fine. And when I say all-star weekend, I mean, all-star Sunday night. Cause that's the only thing I watched. The block on Chris, Yana said afterwards, and this had, this was after I podcasted with Camille. So we didn't talk about this, but he said he didn't really realize that it was even Chris. And I remember I've asked Giannis before about his shot blocking and what he's thinking or what's going through his mind. 
And he just kind of laughed and said, I didn't really know. I just do it instinctively. I see someone, I think I can do it, and I do it. That's the perfect example of that poor old Chris. Uh, thinks he's getting the, thinks he's in the All-Star game. He's had a rough shooting night. And by the way, I know Bucks fan. Yes, he's, he's, his cold stretch continued in the All-Star game. I'm very aware. But then Giannis comes from behind and blocks him. So it's a tough scene for him. Uh, everyone should check out. We did a roundtable podcast yesterday. If you missed it, we had our friends from Locked On Bulls. Locked on Cavs. Locked on Cavs. Evan Damarol was literally just happy to be there. He said that about 17 times throughout the podcast. Just very excited that the Cavs are playing good basketball. Locked on Heat was there as well. So go check it out because we broke it all down. But I want to ask you what the big question you think is around this Bucks team as we start the, the run to the postseason. They start with the Nets, which feels fitting. They started the season with Brooklyn. They start the second half, quote unquote, uh, of the season with the Nets as well. But first, I'll talk about bet online because football is done and dusted, but basketball is just starting to warm up. So whether it's the college stuff, the NBA stuff, you can get all the odds, totals, player performance props, uh, all at betonline.net. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. They've got hockey, boxing, UFC, uh, right to... Uh, any sport you can think of, honestly. Vegas casino games, it's all there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Now podcast. Uh, you get little snippets from the Locked On experts, experts like myself on the box after they play. So you can catch up with the night before's action. So check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's good to, I listen to it. I have it in the background there and catch up with all the hot takes flying in from the Locked On host. So check it out, the Locked On Now podcast. So Frank, and I was just thinking about this because I was listening to the Low Post. I know you listen to the Low Post as well. Jeff Van Gundy, Zach Lowe discussing a few big questions. And I was wondering for you, what is the big question for this Bucks team? And they were obviously talking about the defense. I think that's fair enough. That's certainly something that I mentioned on the Roundtable podcast yesterday as well. The simple answer is Brooke Lopez, I guess. But what are you looking at? And we should have mentioned, if you want to dive into the the big signing of Javon Carter, we can also do that as well. I had a few people ask if there was an emergency podcast. I couldn't bring myself to do it yesterday. No disrespect. But we're here now. So all the takes we can let fly. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been saying on any platform that that anyone will give me, you know, the <laughs> the big question, the big concern has been Brooke Lopez. You know, that's the how how big is an elephant? I don't know. The fifty thousand pound elephant, the two ton elephant, the you know gorilla, whatever, 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 um, you know, large animal in the room. Um, that uh, that is the injury to Brooke Lopez, and when he comes back how quickly he ramps up and can he stay healthy, right? Because even if he comes back, it's not like there's some, you know, inevitability that he's going to be fine in the playoffs and and give you um, the minutes that he gave you last year. So, I mean, I think that's still the the simple thing. I think, um, you know, you, you hit on it right away in the round table. And I think you were pretty blunt, maybe surprised the other, <laughs> the, other sure. the other guests when you said that, you know, without Brooke Lopez, like you don't see them winning a championship and, I'd agree. I mean, I, you know, stranger things have happened, right? I think, I think the Serge Ibaka trade at least gives you a chance that you can talk yourself into the idea that the Brooks or that the Bucks could be okay w- without Brooke Lopez, or they could maybe find some way to paper over that. 
Um, but I think again, if you lose Brooke Lopez and you already, you know, don't have PJ Tucker, which was sort of your small ball guy um, with Giannis, I, I think that's just, you know, a kind of a bridge too far. And, and again, the defense that they had last year, you know, papered over a, some really bad stretches of offense. And so I think that's the silver lining for me is, you know, Drew Holiday. And I think this was, you guys taught, hit on this, this as well, but I mean, Drew Holiday, his scoring was horrendous, you know, with, with a few exceptions in the playoffs, but overall nowhere close to the guy that we saw last regular season that we saw this regular season. And actually that we saw in the playoffs previously, again, the Pelicans didn't have a ton of, you know, playoff opportunities, but when they did play those, those two rounds a few years back, he was tremendous against the Blazers. And I think he was fine against the Warriors in that next round too, which was pretty short. So, um, you know, again, I think overall, um, to me, the big question is going to be, what does that sort of trade-off looks like, look like, and can they be good enough defensively and, you know, matchup wise, do they have, you know, enough, uh, tricks up their sleeve? Does Bud have enough options defensively, um, that, you know, the defense can do what it needs and the offense can hopefully be better, more consistent than it was last year, because obviously, especially in the second round um, in particular, the offense was not firing on all cylinders from three point range. It basically, you know, was sort of a, a slog throughout. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the big question. They, they got up to 35% in the finals, which was really good <laughs> by their standards. Their offense actually came around a fair bit um, by, by the finals. So they, I mean, they had a 117 offensive rating in the finals. So, I mean, the scoring actually did come back in the finals. It wasn't a defensive slugfest in the finals, but, um, but again, I, I think, you know, when you look at sort of the trade-off that really started this summer, you know, if you want to think about it, it's not like the Bucks, you know, opted for Grayson Allen in lieu of PJ Tucker, but in some ways that, that from a practical standpoint was kind of what they traded. Um, you know, especially, you know, we talk obviously that while well, Grayson in Dante out is effectively what happened, but, since Dante didn't play in the playoffs after the first round and PJ would took that starting spot. Um, you know, I, that's, that's kind of one way of how I would think about this is that basically, you know, you're trading PJ Tucker's defense for Grayson Allen plus um, a number of other guys. And I think, you know, when the Javon Carter signing happened fine, you know, like yeah. I, I, that, that would be my, my take on it. Again, he's a defensive oriented guy. He's, not particularly big. So he's not going to defend guys other than point guards. He's not going to be like key to some like switching lineup or something like that. Right. Um, you hope in the playoffs, you don't have to play him. He basically didn't play at all for the Suns when it really mattered in the playoffs last year, even though he had a pretty decent season, um, in the regular season. So, um, again, you hope he doesn't play. And again, you know, Jeff Teague, George Hill has taken the Jeff Teague minutes, right? So uh, you hope you don't ever have to get down to, your third point guard in the playoffs, but you just never know. I think this is much more of a kind of papering over the regular season. Uh, Lindell Wigginton, my guy, Kane. Uh, he's, he is your guy. And my guy, yeah. he, he, you know, he's at 70% true shooting. He's probably been about as good as you could hope. I don't think that's going to continue. He doesn't have a track record of being a great three-point shooter. I think he's at 54% three-point shooting right now. So, um, <laughs> you know, bringing in a guy like Carter, who's a little more proven, he can knock down an open three and, you know, he defends pretty hard. So in the grand scheme of like giving you some minutes, hopefully George Hill is back soon. If he's not, 
um, you know, you can throw Carter out there and hopefully steal you some minutes. Um, but I think in the net net, you know, I, I, we were talking about before the podcast, um, and this sort of plays into kind of think your broader question, but, um, you know, when I look, I took another look at the, the minutes in the finals last year and again, matchups, you know, dep- depending on a series, right. Matchups will dictate minutes going up and down. We saw that during the playoffs last year as well. You know, Bobby Portis famously, right. Then basically didn't play at all against the Nets and then become became much more important in the following two series. But, um, you know, if we look at the minutes, right. Giannis 40 minutes per game, Chris 43, Drew 42, uh, Pat Connaughton 30, Bobby Portis 17, Brooke Lopez 25, right? Let, let's for simplicity say that all those things keep keep constant, right? We can argue, well, Bobby Portis is going to play more. Yeah, probably, hopefully, right? Hopefully he, he earns more minutes. Um, so what is really changing, right? As we try to forecast, well, what happened last year when you won a title? How do you map that to what the team looks like this year? And the obvious thing is there's three guys that basically you're swapping out. Most mo- Foremost of all that is P.J. Tucker. P.J. played 31 minutes in the finals. Um, Jeff Teague played nine minutes per game. Bryn Forbes played seven minutes. It's about 48 minutes that you have to replace in your rotation, right, with those three guys, and it's really mostly one guy. And the interesting thing is you didn't have Grayson Allen last year. You didn't have George Hill last year. Obviously, Serge Ibaka, you've just added to the roster here. You know, Wes Matthews potentially also part of of the equation here as well, given um, you know his defensive uh, abilities and the fact that he may be useful in switching schemes more so than the Bucks other wings, not other than Connaughton. Um, so it's kind of I think that's sort of the interesting question that that Bud is going to have to figure out. Those four guys, not none of those guys are as individually as versatile defensively as PJ Tucker. All of them, save for Wes are, I would say, better offensive players in their own respect, right? You can argue Serge maybe isn't as much, but, you know, Serge, um, you know, I think, again, was showing signs at least of being a more consistent offensive player than than PJ, who gave you obviously very little, right? And PJ averaged four points per game in the in the, in the final. So, um, so I think, again, to kind of highlight that implicit trade-off that the Bucks have made with their roster construction this year, um, you look at those guys and it's ironic, right? Because you're basically saying, all right, you're going to trade a wing and some undersized guard minutes from Forbes and Teague. And easy to say that obviously George Hill is going to gobble up probably all of those George Hill, uh, all of those Teague and Bryn Forbes minutes, right? That's about 60 minutes per game. So give George Hill all of those. But then we haven't even talked about Grayson Allen. We haven't even talked about Serge Ibaka. We haven't even talked about Wes Matthews yet. And so how do those things kind of break out? Then we started, I think, talking about Bud Mike Budenholzer and him having to make some difficult decisions because last year it was pretty much just like, well, hey, PJ Camp isn't going to be great offensively, but he was just the guy you were going to throw out there and his versatility defensively, the fact that he could at least crash the glass offensively, park in the corner, at least he was a guy that could fit in there even if he wasn't a great, you know, a, a net positive offensively. So I don't know. I mean, to me, this is going to be one of those things where those guys' minutes probably are going to fluctuate pretty significantly. I mean, I would assume Grayson Allen is going to be the starter going into the playoffs, right? Um, could there be a scenario where he may not start for the entirety of the playoffs? I think that's certainly possible depending on matchups and given that he's not the strongest defender. Um, but this is where Mike Budenholzer is going to really have to earn his money this postseason. And it's not just going to be as easy as just saying, screw it, throw PJ out there. So I think the other, and I was thinking about this as I was going through some of the other teams, the, the 
your obvious downside of not having PJ Tucker on your roster is that he could potentially be on another roster that you meet in the postseason, and he's going to be a giant pain in the ass for Giannis and all these guys in, in some of those lineups as well. So that's that's the other side of this that I know people are, are very aware of. Uh, I did have some of the numbers, though, with some of the preferred lineups. You mentioned maybe Grayson Allen slides out of the lineup, and I think it's one of the interesting questions that we'll never know with Dante and PJ last year. It's just one of those things that was, again, taken out of his hands, as you pointed to, that he didn't have to make that decision. Uh, but uh, speaking of making decisions, sometimes you have to do that with your car, Frank, if you have issues. And rockauto.com is the best place to go. Because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So you can go to rockauto.com. You'll save time. You'll save money. You can save up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers. They've been doing it for over 20 years and the prices are reliably low for every customer, whether you're an expert or just someone like me. So go explore their easy to use website today and find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box today? Now we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, one other point on Bud, when you talk about shortening the rotation, you might be right that this year there's more guys that he can throw out there. But we should say, generally, when push has come to shove, Bud has been willing to cut bait on guys in previous seasons. This year, yeah, he might have some more difficult decisions to make. But but he, he has kind of done that. For all the talk of you know playing guys more, and that obviously came to a head during the bubble playoffs. There's no doubt about that. I guess I'm just wondering... With all the uncertainty, and this goes for all teams across the league, I'm looking at numbers and lineups, and I'm like, goodness, the best players on most teams have not played together a lot this year. That's just been the nature of the season for a number of reasons. And the Bucks, big three, and I know there was the record stuff that was a number that people were saying, but I think we've discussed it. I don't know exactly what their record is together, but I know that they played a bunch of pretty bad teams that probably inflated that record there. And that probably adds to this advanced numbers as well but just generally the big three Giannis Chris Drew who've played 31 games out of 60 together they're only averaging 15 minutes per game across that 15.8 offensive rating 116.3 defensive rating 104.8 so a plus 11.5 net obviously that's pretty good but the defensive number in general and the defensive numbers in general with Giannis on the floor have been pretty good so when you look at that and you say okay well they're playing 15 minutes together per game when they've been in the lineup together isn't the answer simply just play your best players more in the playoffs, play those guys 30 minutes together, and they're going to be much better in general? And that was kind of one of my answers on the roundtable when they asked me why the Buck can win. I said, well, you got Giannis playing more. They've been great with him on the floor. And it's 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 obviously it's very simple, but when you have a guy that's as good as he is, that is going to be the answer to a lot of your problems. As far as swapping the guy out, I assume if you're looking at it, and of course, if there was some weird matchup, I don't know what it would be where you thought that you would play someone like a Barker we've spoke about, is there benefits of bringing him into the starting lineup for defensive purposes? But the other guy I think obviously would be Pat. If he's healthy, if he's back in the lineup, you swap him in for Grayson Allen, you probably feel like you're a little more versatile there defensively. The starting lineup of Portis, Allen, Drew, Christianis. Out of the five-man lineups, they've played 243 minutes together, and then the next most used five-man lineup is like 50 minutes or something like that. And it actually is the swap for Connaughton 
and Grayson Allen. But both those lineups, whether it's Allen or whether it's uh, Pat Connaughton, and the net rating, again, is in double digits. The lineups are very good. Now, obviously, that's probably having that Giannis Chris Drew factor in there. But the point being, the, the best lineups of this team, the advanced numbers look pretty good. So is it is that part of the solution as well? Just play your best players more. Yeah, but I, I mean, at the same time, like that's going to be everybody's solution, right? I think, um, you know, it, it came up a little bit right in the context of some of the other teams that the Bucks are facing off with, you know, Miami, which, you know, when I looked at the Heat's rotation preseason, I thought, Ugh, they don't have much depth no at depth, all, right? Yeah. Because you look at, you know, it was like, well, they're bringing Hero off the bench. Um, but then it was really Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, like, you know, Dwayne Dedman, like, is that really going to be, you know, the the group that's going to carry you given you also don't have, you know, a superstar on the level that, that some of the other top teams have. And I mean, sure enough that it has been right. I mean, depth has been, has been a plus. Um, and the question obviously is, you know, do you get, you know, bubble Tyler Harrow again, do you get the, that equivalent from, uh, these other guys that have played so well for them during the season. And, um, you know, I think, uh, again, the Bucks benefit is that your top end just gets emphasized more and more the, you know, the further you go in the playoffs. And I think, you know, when I, when I think about my level of optimism for the Bucks in the playoffs, I think my pessimism is, is, is probably derived from a couple things. One, it's just really hard to repeat. I mean, people, you guys have heard me say this, like just doing it once is really hard, requires things to break your way, no matter what season we're talking about. Doing it twice, again, just takes maybe a different type set of breaks, um, but you still have to have a lot of things break your way, right? You think about just how often a missed shot here late in the game, right? Chris Middleton, if he doesn't outduel KD in game three against the Nets, right? That's, I think, probably one of the more forgotten things was the way that Chris and KD were going shot for shot late in game three, which, of course, if Bucks lose that game, that series is, you know, curtains. Um, if any of those shots don't go in, right? What happens, right? Bud's fired. Giannis still can't win the big one, right? We never see the Rick Carlisle's the coach. And Rick Carlisle's Carl the coach, right? Um, so there's just kind of that, like, just doing it twice is just fundamentally hard. Um, and then I think one of the X factors is, you know, sure, every year the defending champ and the two teams that go to the finals have longer seasons than everybody else. They have a shorter offseason than everybody else. But last year was also unique from any other season we've had. You know, the number of games the Bucks played in the calendar year 2021 will never be matched, basically. I think, what was it, Pat Connaughton played like 108 total games or something like that in the calendar year 2021. Um, so it's a, still a little bit of an unknown, I think, over these next 20 games. You just hope that you can keep those guys somewhat fresh. This this all-star break, you know, of any team, I think Bucks are certainly one of the teams that probably can use this more than anyone, not because they're the most banged up team, but they've also, you know, they've had some injuries and you know drew and chris have had the shortest off seasons anyone can remember with with the olympics as well so um so again i i do kind of wonder you know they've generally had good health right knock on wood um over the sorry sort of you know during the butt era in general you know you haven't had one of your main guys other than brooke really this year go down with a long-term injury and hopefully you get brooke back um so again you just hope that you know you avoid disaster you know seeing this chris paul injury right kind of another reminder you just never know when 
somebody's going to get an injury. We saw with Pat, obviously Pat should be back with plenty of time left before the playoffs. So, um, so I think those are kind of my, you know, the, those have been sort of like the things that kind of nag at me as far as being able to, to repeat and, and kind of the things that are stacked against you. But the flip side is, as you said, you know, and, and this is why people I think generally have not really been questioning the bucks that much um, because everybody questioned the bucks for a few years and then, you know, they were okay during the regular season and then they turned into obviously a team that won in a championship last year. So um, that's probably, you know, that's nice. Good for our sanity, probably that, you know, the bucks aren't, haven't been turned into a soap opera. I think the other piece too, is that bucks just don't have much drama internally and it's a credit to them. You know, they don't have guys demanding trades. They don't have guys, you know, hating each other, calling each other out in the media. Um, and so they kind of end up being pretty boring and there's not, there's not a lot to really look at there in terms of, um, you know, locker room turmoil and things like that. Really, I mean, kind of the, the bud coaching question was probably the biggest one closest we've seen to that sort of stuff with the past couple of years. And that never was like a, you know, does Giannis want butt out type of thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's kind of hard to believe there's only 20, whatever, 22 games left here in the regular season. And, um, I would say this, I, they have the hardest remaining schedule in the league. I mean, I, I, I think at this point, I don't know where you're at on this, like as far as your expectation of where they're going to finish seating wise. Um, if they, if they get the fourth seed, I would be happy at this point. If they get any home court in any round, I would probably be happy just because they're fifth right now. They haven't been super impressive during the regular season. Um, have shown flashes, a lot of similarities to last year in that regard. Um, and again, the, the 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 schedule isn't favorable. But I think the one thing I thought was interesting, and Jeff Van Gundy was on the low post, and he made an interesting point where he said he actually thought it was good for the Bucks that they were that they do have a difficult schedule to finish up because it's going to be a, more of a challenge to them. They're not going to be having you know, a bunch of cruise control games against the kind of drags of the league as they kind of go into the final stretch here. Um, I don't know if, I don't think that's good for their standings and the likelihood of them getting, you know, a top three seed or something like that. Um, but I will hope and that, and, and, and put some stock maybe that Van Gundy is right, that at least from a, you know, veteran team getting focused and locking in a little bit, that playing more competitive teams will hopefully maybe spur a bit more sharpness and demand more of them as they roll here towards the playoffs um, versus, you know, again, if they had a really difficult schedule or in the season and now they were just going to, you know, face a bunch of lottery teams late, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm going a little stir crazy here. The next couple of days are going to be hard without basketball. The fact that the bucks have a couple of games, a couple of days without, without games when the league is coming back is, is pretty annoying to me, but um, you know, we'll see. Uh, with Brooklyn on Saturday, it sounds like Ben Simmons still isn't, but that's probably going to be back. Um, so you hope that it's a little bit easier of a matchup to kind of ease back into uh, the swing of things. Cause certainly the bucks and long layoffs has not been a positive thing in, in the last year or two in terms of their sharpness. Yeah. Interesting. that uh, Ben Simmons, obviously at the facility he's practicing, he's ramping up, I guess they call it these days, but we'll see whenever, he returns, but the Nets are obviously going to be a fascinating team. It does look like Kyrie Irving 
sometime in the near future we'll be playing every game as well so that'll be a boost for them and maybe in a weird way maybe there's some teams in the east that are going to finish first or second that'll be happy if they can slide up to the six or five seed or something like that so they don't have them in the first round we'll see how that plays out but it'll be a good game to get things started we'll see if the bucks can pick up a win uh, to get the uh the stretch run to the postseason underway make sure you check out uh, the locked on bets podcast with frank's mate your boy q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Uh, fantastic podcast they've got going over there. So make sure you check that out. It's a beauty. I, here's, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic because it's like, I don't know really if there's much going to be much difference between finishing first and fourth, right? If you well, finish... the Bucks, and by the way, the Bucks don't want a game one at home. I know you said that you want home court advantage. <laughs> it makes sense. Bud feels his way into a playoff series. We understand that. He peaks, peaks around game four. Yeah, and Giannis so, peaks in Game Six, as we as we now know. Yeah, so. so it's it's you know I mean it, for for Bucks fans, what, what are you going to be worried? You're going to be scared if you're down zero two in a series? No way, not this team. Uh, they'll be just fine. But I don't know. It's going to be. I don't think it's going to be an interesting playoff run anyway. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be able to talk a bit more about Bucks and Nets. We'll know a little bit more about the players that are actually going to play in that game. So that will be. A bit of fun. It's weird for the Bucks to have so many days off. But anyway, we're nearly through the week. So Frank and myself will leave it there. Catch you guys tomorrow.